We hope you enjoy this message from Expression Church of Huntington. Amen. Be seated. Good morning. God bless you guys. Wow. Since I was here last, you've got carpet. Since I was here last, you got new songs. That was an awesome song. I know I can't get Stephanie and Dale to go with me, but at least I can take the songs. Pastor Kevin, Lisa, Ronnie, the whole team, we're, we're excited. I'm here today kind of left-handed because my wife would normally be with me, but uh, her schedule's sort of busy. Mine has been hectic. I've been, I went to Tennessee, Kentucky to get to West Virginia. That doesn't work geographically, but anyway, that's how I got here. But sometimes, cut me, I'm too hot, cut me back a little bit. Sometimes you just got to go home. And this is home. My uncle was chief of police, Huntington, West Virginia. My dad was born in Hurricane, Milton area. I grew up in St. Albans, go Red Dragons. Come on. And uh, I pull, I, here's how I pull for the football teams. WVU and Marshall together to win. And I got to be careful here. And the next team is Clemson. There are reasons on that. And the last one I will pull for is LSU. So in case you wonder if I'm still saved, I pull for Mountaineers and the Thundering Herd, then the Tigers. And then the tigers again. All right. Well, we got that settled. Now, this morning, Pastor Kevin said I could preach about four hours. Y'all be leaving about 40 minutes. <clears throat> but I'll just keep on going. They're going to record it. But it's a great delight to be at home and to be with our dear friends. Many in this room we've known for years. Some of you we've yet to meet. We look forward to that. So this morning, we're going to start. Father, just open our hearts for your word to come in. You've encountered us today. You live in us, but Lord, when you come among us, it's so, so wonderful. So we receive today out of your presence, really, uh, by your word and by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Several years ago, <clears throat> I was with some friends in... Uh, Cross Lanes, I'll mention later. And I got an email from a friend of mine, uh, Dr. Daniel Light, who was adjunct professor at Liberty over in Lynchburg, Virginia. And in the email, he said, hey, Jim, it's been a while since we've seen each other, but they're going to have a special service at First Baptist Church Racine. I'm talking Boone County here. I'm talking a country place, Okay to celebrate our 50th anniversary of our ordination. We were ordained together at age 19. We started preaching in country churches and having youthful revivals up and down the hollers of West Virginia. You know, when you're 19, you probably ought not preach. Amen. But, but you got to start somewhere. And God just used us. It was wonderful. So he said, Jim, can you send an email to acknowledge uh, this 50th anniversary of our ordination. I said, Danny, I can do better than that. I'll be there. Because I was in cross lanes. 
And so my chauffeurs, Rod and Julie Davis, carried me to Racine because they knew the way to Boone County. Amen. And before I tell you how that service went, my wife would tell you if she were here, there are a number of mornings I get up and go to breakfast and she puts the egg and Dave's bread toast on the table. I say, you know, today I miss Rod. Just want to say that. You guys knew him well, some of you. But Rod and Julie hiked me over to Racine, got in the service, First Baptist Church, and about a third of the people during worship had their hands up. And then Danny told me this. He said, Brother Jim, he said, I looked around tonight, and half the people in this service, places packed, came to Christ in our meetings when we were 19 and 20. Man, I could have retired right there. <laughs> you know? How many know it's about the harvest Amen. for the kingdom? Amen. It's about Jesus getting the fullness of the harvest that is commensurate with and glorifies the blood he shed on the tree on Golgotha's hill. It's about the harvest. And so this morning, I just want to share and proclaim, and if the Lord allows, just prophesy into that for this place, which is so special, that hosts the presence of God. Because if you want to look at your Bible in a number of ways to understand it better, I would say you dare not miss the fact that the Bible is a harvest manual teaching us on the earth how to be productive in God's purposes. Did you hear Pastor Kevin this morning talk about being productive? Well, we, we just called on the phone and arranged that. We didn't. <laughs> that was just the Lord. The first thing out of God's mouth to mankind was what? Be productive. Be fruitful. Multiply. If the first thing out of God's mouth to newly created mankind is be productive, how many know that's pretty important? It's there in your Bible as you open the pages of Genesis, amen, in chapter 1. And so we're to be productive, not just biologically, but also covenantally, raising the kids, the grandkids to what? Walk in covenant and to be used of God to extend the kingdom by being productive and just, as Pastor said, releasing out of us what God put in us. He gave us the ability to procreate, not just biologically, but covenantally and in every area of life. And the next thing the Lord said to his newly created mankind was, after he said be productive, he said fill or consecrate, dedicate, sanctify, develop the earth. Amen. Because you see, the earth was not paradise, only Eden was paradise. Yes. But earth was potential paradise. And so he said to them, fill the earth. Any lexicon will show you there are many words for that one Hebrew word, but my favorite word for that word is furnish. Because how many of you know if you men build it, your wife will furnish it? I said your wife will furnish it. 
you know, Jean came to me several years ago. She said, uh, Jim, it's time for some new furniture in this house. I said, dear, I know how you are. You have champagne taste and beer budget. <clears throat> now, we don't drink, but that's just something we use to convey something. And so when she wants new furniture, she wants new furniture. And I said, honey, it's not the budget right now. Well, she backed off, then she came back at me. She's rather tenacious, rather bold at times. And she said, we need new furniture. Look at this. I said, it's okay. You know, men don't care. If it's halfway standing up, it's okay for us. Us, but women, okay, they just, that's where they're wired. Well, and then she said, okay, I know you're not going to buy me new furniture. Can we move around the furniture in the house? So five chiropractic bills later, <laughs> I have rearranged the house complaining under my breath all the way. She said, let's get the TV out of the back room into the main room where we got those tall windows. We can look out and see the birds on the patio. We got the fireplace in that room. And let's get the TV out of there. I said, honey, I don't want to move the TV. It's back at the furthest part of the house. And that way I won't be disturbed by somebody coming in while I'm watching reruns of Gunsmoke. But she prevailed, and so we got the TV moved in the room, and then she said, wait a minute, this TV is too small <laughs> to be seen in this room. I said, it's a Sony. Gets a good picture. She said, they're having a sale. A place is going out of business. She can buy one of them new HD TVs. Wow. That's about for this cheap like they are today. They were expensive back there. Well, so we get the TV. And what happened in my life? I got converted. After about two weeks, I said, honey, I hate to admit this, but this change is better. <laughs> so, so the point of it is, God says, number one, be productive. Then he says, be purposeful. And then thirdly, he says, you will rule under my authority over the works of my hands. So we're not only to be productive and purposeful. If we're faithful in those two, then we will be powerful. We will be God's kingdom government, come on, expressed on the earth. Our Jesus on the right hand of the Father in heaven is releasing through his people. Come on. The, the scholars call the ecclesia. Won't go into that, all that today. But God's people are to be the governing force on the earth with more authority than all Republicans and Democrats and Dixocrats put together. The authority of God on the throne there can flow here. Are you hearing this? If we are productive, if we are perfect, Purposeful, then we will be, hallelujah, the, the government of God on the planet. Now, some are wondering, why doesn't the preacher read Scripture? I'm building up to it. I'm going to get to it. But I just want to say before I get to Scripture in the New Covenant, that the three feasts of Israel shout and prophesy what? Harvest. Mm-hmm. What's the first feast? Can you say Passover? What did God harvest at Passover? He harvested some sons. When the Israelites are delivered out from Egyptian bondage where they lived 400 years, right? There they were, enslaved, working under an oppressive, demonized Pharaoh. But what we're seeing here is God had to come down and take a people who had the right genealogy from Abraham but there were not sons. 
And to prove that, Abraham traced his lineage back to Shem, Noah's second son. Shem, Shemite. And Shem carried the covenant forward. So Abraham is descendant of a covenant man that God called. But Abraham's not living in a house of covenant. He's living, Terah his dad, Nahor his granddad, in a house of idolatry in Chaldea. Got to hear this. It's not about genealogy. It's about covenant. Is that okay? He's still breathing. So God could not call Abraham to be a father till he first made him a son. So God had to adopt Abraham. He was first called Abram, right? God adopted him. He called him in the land of Canaan, told him it'd be a blessing to all the nations, uh, began to walk the procedure, how they made covenant in those days in the ancient world, no time to review that. But finally what God did was he adopted Abram by adding his name to Abram's name because the short for Jehovah is Yah and the short for Yah is Ah. So Abram became Abraham. Sarai became Sarah. Point being, thank you, adoption for you and me is when Christ adds his name to you and me in our lives. Amen? So, so Abram, to become a spiritual father, he's your spiritual daddy, by the way. If you read Galatians, come on, he's the seed. Jesus is the seed of Abraham as well as the seed of David. And so here is Abraham. So what happens when God delivers his people by the Passover lamb that was slain in Egypt, each house had a lamb, blood on the door. He also baptized them in the water of the Red Sea and in the cloud of the Holy Spirit that covered them as they came out. So the first priority of God was this. God had to harvest some sons. He had to harvest some harvesters who would harvest the earth for the kingdom. Now, Pentecost is the second feast, right? And how many know that Pentecost was known in the Old Covenant as the feast where they celebrated the first fruits of the physical agricultural harvest? How many knew that? It's good, three people. Okay, it is true. Uh, Pentecost came 50 days later than Passover. At Mount Sinai, God gave as Moses went up the mountain. God gave Israel the precepts of the law, the Ten Commandments. God gave them the pattern for the tabernacle, how he wanted to dwell with his people. And, of course, God gave them the priesthood uh, that would uh, lead in the sacrificial system. But what happened here, this first feast Passover leads 50 days later to Pentecost, and Pentecost is called first fruit, but I remind you, you get no crop by planting seed in the sand. So this feast was prophetic to celebrate the first fruits of a harvest that they didn't see for 40 years. They didn't plant seed in the desert. Come on. They're by faith projecting forward. Thank you. Prophetic words propel us forward. And so here they are, eventually when they get in the land, bringing the first part or the first fruits of the harvest. But the most important thing about the first Feast of Pentecost is this. God took sons and made them a nation. 
He says, you'll be to me a kingdom of priests. You'll be a holy nation. Why did Israel have to become a nation? Because they'd be called to be a light to the nations. God had to bring Israel into nationhood before they could displace Canaanite nations from the land that was promised to Abraham that was now occupied by trespassers. Come on. And what's the third feast? Tabernacles. And of course, Tabernacles celebrates the, the ingathering of the glorious final harvest. That's exciting. And you know what they did in the Feast of Tabernacles in the Old Covenant? They celebrated eight days. The first seven days, they sacrificed to God. The priests did 70 bullocks or oxen. And on the eighth day, the last day of the feast, they offered up one oxen. Why? Because 70 was the number of that time that represented all the nations of the world. And they're traced back to Genesis 10. The descendants of Jephthah, Shem, and Ham became 70 nations. Now, this is important. Don't you forget the number 70 because I'm going to get there when I read some scripture in Luke 10 in just a minute. So here you've got a feast that celebrates, come on, offering up to God all the nations and on the last day lifting up Israel. Paul said all Israel shall be saved. Your Bible says Israel and all the nations shall be saved. Some to a greater degree than others. Some will be sheep nations that are massively converted. Some will be uh, goat nations that just have a remnant in them. But I think you get the point. So here is how this is fulfilled in your life and my life, these three feasts. Number one, Jesus, how many of those are Passover lamb? We're born again by the blood, faith in his blood. Number two, we're empowered to represent his kingdom government on earth by Father and Son sending you and me Holy Spirit in Holy Spirit baptism. And thirdly, we are sent as harvesters and reapers to disciple the nations and secure Christ's inheritance. Now, open your Bible. Let me find a text somewhere, okay? Luke 10. How many believe Luke 10 before I read it? That was weak. I tell you what, now y'all should believe Luke 10. It's in your Bible. Okay. So go to Luke 10 and verse 1. I'll just read a few verses here because of time. After this time, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them in pairs ahead of him to every city and place where he himself was going to come. Thank you, team, for putting that up there for us. He was saying to them, the harvest is plentiful, the labors are few. Therefore, I beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. Go, behold, I send you as lambs in the midst of wolves. Not because of time. Skip down to verse number, uh, number uh, 8. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal those in it who are sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Now, hear me carefully. Luke 9, which we won't turn to, tells us that Jesus sent out the 12. To whom? The lost sheep of the house of Israel. The next chapter, Jesus sends out the 70. To whom? Nations beyond Israel's border. Like over in today's Jordan or up in Syria or up where the cities are that call the ten cities the Decapolis. My wife and I have been there. But I'm just trying to say something to you here. Even in Israel's ritual atonement, 
Come on. God was expressing his concern for all the world and all the nations. So the 70 will have a longer trip geographically than the 12. <laughs> the 12 sent to the, all sheep the house of Israel. Israel is a small piece of ground geographically, even to this day. But the 70 go out beyond the borders. How many are glad our God is a God that goes out beyond man-made borders? Are you hearing this? To take his blessing, his love, his covenant, even to the nations. Now, notice it says that these were sent. He sent or appointed 70. Luke 9, he sent or appointed the 12. The word sent is our favorite word, I think, that the church is almost neglected. Because for so long, the church said, well, we got pastors and teachers, and sometimes we have an evangelist come in, come through. But what about apostles? What about prophets? An apostle, in its basic meaning, is simply one who is sent. The apostolo is the verb, apostles and out. And if you can get a hold of this, I'll explain this later, you are apostolic when you got born again. I'll get to that later. I was going to say that to you. You might not be an apostle. We're not all prophets, but we can all prophesy. But we are sent ones. Father sent his son, and his son sends us. Hallelujah. So the church is a people movement. The church is not some organized religion. Don't compare Christianity to Hinduism, Islam, Shintoism, Confucianism. Sorry, don't do that. You and I don't belong to a religion. Amen. We belong to God through a covenant called relationship. Are you hearing this? Amen. And we're a people movement. It's not about superstars. This is just up here so we can kind of handily watch one another and share with one another and teach one another and move one another together. But it's all about the body. But if you get a hold of this, you begin to realize, wait a minute. I'm sent. God sends me. Hallelujah. He, he sends me into places. Uh, wow. 98% of the body's not up here. Only 2%. And where the folks are in their life, in their ministry, in the marketplace, in civil government, in education, in media, arts, entertainment, all the rest of it, that's where God has been sending us. Now, if you can hear this, Jesus, when he breathed on the disciples on a resurrection night, said, receive the Holy Spirit. That means right now receive. That was their new birth experience. Nobody's born again until Jesus comes out of the grave. Amen? Well, he says, as Father sent me, I send you. And when I read that, I jump over that too quickly. I still can't comprehend as the dynamic of God the Father sending God the Son to the earth is the same dynamic that the Son of God through the Holy Spirit sends you and sends me. That is absolutely. We are not spectators. Amen. We are ministers of the gospel of the kingdom because we've been sent. You've got to hear that. In fact, if you don't know this, when Jesus caused his regenerating life to come into their hearts that became born again, when they got their identity as sons and daughters, simultaneously they got their mission. A missionless Christian, a missionless church is an oxymoron. Just saying. Number three, I love this. They were sent out two by two. This is where we get this. 
This is before Mormons knocked on your door or JWs. This goes way back before they started. Jesus sent them out, but two. Two are better than one. But why did it have to be two? Why couldn't he just send each one out? Well, no, no, wait a minute. You can't have spiritual government without two. Let every word be established and confirmed of the mouth of two or three witnesses. Two are better than one. Now, when you hear this, I think I can get you to understand this. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered my name, I'm in the midst. And as a pastor, I use that verse a lot when the attendance was down. Amen. <laughs> but I want to tell you something. That misses the point. It just takes two to have corporality, covenant functioning. My wife and I praying together is really church. When I sing in the shower, that's not church. It's not even a good song service. Amen. But when you have two, so he sends them out by two. Where two, three, get in my name, I'm in this. Do you understand in the Bible world that when rabbis got together to study the Torah, if they had two or three in that gathering, they felt like heaven was somehow touching them. Even Roman soldiers living far away from Rome over in Israel to the east, when they got together, two or three hang out, whatever, they just felt like the authority of Rome is here. Where we have two or three gathered in Jesus' name, the authority of heaven's here. Therefore, the kingdom is right here. Amen? So then Jesus, I love this too in verse 1, he sends them out not just two by two, but he sends them, look at this, to the places where he himself will come later. That's amazing. Jesus got out beyond the borders of Israel. Wow. But the Greek text is much more powerful. It kind of fits with the flow here today with the, with the worship at the second part of it. When it says that he sent them out uh, to every city where he himself was going to come, the Greek text says... He sent them out, and this is a precious little phrase, he sent them out before his face. See, it's one thing for the 70 to show up and represent God's kingdom. It's another thing when the king shows up with his manifest presence. Just saying. Then quickly, number five, he sent the 70 into his harvest. Verse 2, it's his harvest. Amen. It's not the harvest of the Methodist or the Baptist or the Pentecostals. It's his harvest. And we are privileged and honored to work in the harvest. Thank you. And then, if you can hear this, he says, the mission has danger. I send you as lambs among wolves. How many know a good shepherd drives away the wolves? Well, Jesus is shepherd and lamb all in himself. Do you know that Jesus' ministry could be described as a lamb among wolves? Who were the wolves that Jesus faced? Two corporate wolves. Number one, first century apostate, covenant-breaking Judaism. Number two, 
oppressive, paganized government of Rome. So Jesus is sent, even lamb slain before the world's foundation. He is sent into danger. Paul later on would say, hey, what I do has got danger. What I do to represent the gospel of the kingdom brings danger, persecution, opposition. He says, doors are open to me to preach the gospel, but there, there are adversaries everywhere. I'm telling you, we've got to see something here. We've got to go first as lambs. Come on. In the midst even of danger, and as we walk through that tough place faithfully, we'll be more than a lamb. We'll become a lion. I don't get my gospel messages off of Facebook, but once in a while, there's some good stuff on there. I love this one. This one said, if you want a church full of cats, keep serving milk. You want a church full of lions, serve meat. Well, that'll work. Show me the beef. Come on, okay. So here's Jesus. His ministry included danger. Paul's ministry included danger. Ours includes danger. Why? Because the devil does not want Jesus to reap the earth as his harvest. The devil knows he can't stop the Lord, and he knows he can't harvest the earth himself, but he tries to ruin God's harvest just like the wheat and tares. Remember that story where the Lord says, you've got to let the wheat and the tares grow together till they harvest, because if you try to pull up tares, which is fake wheat, by the way, you're going to ruin the wheat harvest. So, so God's, you know, these enemies came in while the workers slept, right? And they were embarrassed. So they go tell the owner of the vineyard, oh, by the way, or the wheat field, by the way, uh, we, we slept and somebody came in and there's tares in the wheat. We'll yank them out. He said, no, 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 you can't do that. You've got to let them mature because you don't know the difference. Wheat is, a, is, is, is clearly one thing. A Darnell weed tear is something else altogether, though it looks just like the wheat. So God's got to harvest out, or if you will, remove out the tares before he gathers in the harvest. I was in um, Kansas a couple years ago. There's famous wheat country, right? My granddad was a farmer on Hurricane Creek in West Virginia. He didn't grow wheat. He grew a lot of other stuff. Real good eating on his farm, by the way. And, uh, but I was in Kansas, and a guy walked up and said, Brother Hodges, can I tell you how you know the difference between the wheat and tares when they mature? I said, please tell me. He said, well, the wheat, when they become mature, they become, in their grain, heavy-headed, and they're bowed. But the tares are perfectly vertical. They're unbowed. So there are two kinds of folks in the earth today, the bowed and the unbowed. Are you hearing this? And part of our job is being faithful through the tough times when all these wheat uh, and tares are growing together and we're saying, Lord, how much longer are the tares going to hang around because you said you'd remove them, come on, so you could gather in your wheat. How much, how much longer is it going to take? And one day I felt the Lord spoke back to me and says, well, he says, I'm not taking the tares out yet because my wheat is not yet fully mature. 
Just saying. All right? And then quickly, hallelujah, he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send harvesters. You know, on my prayer list, sometimes I'm looking for that. I'm going, how could that be? I'm missions-minded, okay, <laughs> locally and globally. But to pray, Lord, raise up and send more harvesters. I prophesy today there is going to be an adequate number of harvesters to reap Hallelujah, an awesome wheat field for God even before the Lord Jesus Christ comes back. And then to make the point quick as I try to wrap this up this morning, notice the kingdom's not just preached, it is demonstrated. Can I say this morning about something about healing? Because this year, so many of our families been sieged by the enemy with financial stress and physical challenges. That's true of our, our extended family. If you've been under siege and you're breathing and born again, it's kind of normal. But uh, God's going to turn this thing for us, and we're not going to be under siege. We're going to lay siege. But anyway, I'm just going to say this to you real quick. Um, the kingdom is demonstrated. He said, heal the sick in it. Okay, healing is healing more than physical. It's complete and total and holistic because healing is a dealing. It's a dealing with the disorder caused, come on, by sin's entrance in the world and the corruption that's there. It's like Andrew Peterson's song says, do you feel the world is broken? You know, we feel that way. Do you feel creation's groaning? It is. But is a new creation coming? It is. But it's in process. So somehow we got to grab hold of this, of this thing and say, Lord, your healing is, is bigger than maybe we think. It's a dealing with disorder. It is a restoring through Christ, the last Adam of all the first Adam lost on the way. Well, I got a confession before I sat down. The other day I watched YouTube. <laughs> I confessed it in public. You guys probably live on YouTube. I don't. I can barely spell Y-O-U-T-U-B-E. Uh, and all of a sudden, I saw on there a, a service in Karachi, Pakistan, and our dear sister Marilyn Hickey from Denver, Colorado, was preaching to a million Muslims. I said a million. She was on the platform with a bunch of Muslims and they were giving their testimony how they came to know Christ. It's Isa in Arabic. They met Jesus through a dream of vision. But many of them came to Christ at hearing the preaching of the gospel. And 14 years ago, the Lord said to Marilyn, would you pray for the Muslim world? I think the Lord was giving her a call and a questionnaire. She said, well, Lord, if you're asking me to, I'll do it. She started praying for the Muslim world. Can you imagine the greatest harvest field in the world right now is the Middle East. The church in Iran is growing so fast they can't keep up with it. My friend Dutchie's daughter Hannah has a ministry, an NGO ministry in the Jordan among the Palestinian, the refugee camps, people being saved right and left. It's unbelievable. And I'm going to tell you something right now. You might as well get ready for it because Isaiah prophesies that the descendants of Ishmael and Kedar and Nabioth, they will also come in and recognize 
Yeshua Jesus as the only true and living God and living Lord. That's happening right now. That is happening right now. I get stirred about this stuff. In Latin America, the church grows four times faster than the population. Asia, three times faster. Right now, the West, Australia, New Zealand, USA, much of Western Europe, we're not in a harvest time as such. People are getting saved. There have some big meetings, but we're not the harvest that we're going to get into. I'm going to tell you right now, the harvest is coming to America. It's coming to Huntington. Thank you. It's coming where we are. Now, I'm going to close with a testimony. Last June, I was in a meeting in uh, Sojourn Church in Carrollton, Texas with some leaders, and the guy was introduced to us named Stephen List. I'd never heard of the guy. Stephen List, L-S-T. Humble man, about 74, looked real good. Wanted to check out what kind of vitamins he was on. And uh, Joe Matera, my friend from Brooklyn, New York, introduced Stephen List. And he said, Brother List would never share this with you. He's got a worldwide ministry, councils, presidents, prime ministers. His daughter's uh, wedding was attended by the prime minister of Pakistan. Amazing. And anyway, uh, Joe said, I want Stephen List to tell his story. So you've you got to hear this. Stephen List, as a boy, was with his family when his family got a prophetic word from, now you old-timers will know, you young-timers won't have a clue, but a prophetic word came to the List family through Smith Wigglesworth. And the Lord said, move to Congo, Africa. So, what are you going to do? You're going to obey God. They grew up in Congo, no electricity, no running water, just very primitive. But he grew up in a world where the supernatural is very, very real. Either from God's side, right, or the enemy's side. And God was preparing him. And here's what the Lord did. He raised him up to have favor with presidents and prime ministers, but gave him a healing ministry. And he was in Florida a couple years ago, small group, 60 people in a hotel room. And he ministered to people, then said, we'd pray for you. And a couple came up to the front and said, would you pray for us? We're going into evangelism. He said, of course. So he prayed for them. And the last thing he prayed was this, Lord, if you need to do something creative for this couple, do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Two weeks later, his cell phone rings. It was the leader that had put that meeting together in Florida. And he said, Brother List, when you pray for that couple, you remember? He said, of course I remember. He said, well, uh, you didn't know this because the lady was dressed like some ladies do today with several layers of clothing. And you didn't realize that she only had one arm. a stub here, and a right arm. In two weeks, she grew a left arm, fully developed hand. She worked in a lawyer's office, and they pulled out a tape measure every day. <laughs> I love it that it was in a lawyer's office. <laughs> hey, man, think about that. And they watched it. Honey, that stirred me. 
I've seen some healings. I got stirred by that. Not just that particular miracle, but somehow about how much we have failed to really see come forth or brought forth for a number of reasons. And I told that to somebody, and this always happens. Once in a while, a religious person gets in front of me. Pray for me. And I gave this testimony, and this guy said, well, how come God didn't just grow it out in four or five seconds? I mean, I wanted to shake the guy <laughs> in love. In Jesus' name, you know. Come on. Don't you think you might have to get used to having an arm you never had? Develop and, you know, God could, but God's got more wisdom than we do. God's got his ways for these days. Come on, I got that song. <laughs> See, I get stirred by that. I'm not, I'm not chasing things, but I'm just after God, and you're after God. And we're after his kingdom coming more than has come up to now. If you ever pray for this old guy, and I'm just 80, by the way, and by the way, my wife and I have been married 56 years to each other. Thank you. And our testimony is the first 50 years are the toughest. <clears throat> after that, it smooths out, okay? But if you ever pray for me, pray two things. And I'm going to wrap up. I'm serious here. Pray I don't get stale. I want living manna coming down here. Number two, pray I'll live longer to see more things happen on the earth concerning kingdom advancement. I've lived long enough to see spiritual sons run past me, but I'm still on the track. I'm just kind of, they're making one lap, I'm making four. They're making four and I'm making one. Yeah, they're outrunning me four times to one. But pray I'll live longer to see more and pray I don't get stale. But I say this morning, let's get back to the basics of being productive in God, being purposeful in his kingdom, and therefore being powerful in representing him. Come on, let's stand up and pray this morning. Thank you for your patience. Hallelujah. Let's bow before him this morning. Father, we thank you today for this productive day at Expression Church. Thank you for the people that you've called to yourself and called to one another to be Expression Church, to express your kingdom and extend it in the community, in our nation and even in the world. Lord, this is not a missions program. We're all involved in mission. We're all on a mission. And Lord, you equipped us and you authorized us. And Lord, you sent us. You sent us into assignments. Thank you on this October 6th, in the year of our Lord, 2019. This was an assignment for me to just rejoice in, to be in Huntington, to be at Expression Church. I pray right now for strategies from heaven and wisdom from the Holy Ghost to begin to see how we must deal 
with those forces and moods and thoughts and false news around us to keep us from the fullness of our destiny, to keep us being less than we could be in you. I say today over every family, household, single mom, single dad, teenagers, children, babies, today, I thank you for coming with a fresh wind. Thank you for the rain today. Lord, we must have rain to have a harvest. We must got, have the former rain and the latter rain. So today we seek you in the time of rain that you will extend through us your rain. Thank you, Holy Spirit. This morning, the Lord just wants to kind of reset us and recenter us. So as we close this meeting, I just want you to focus now on him and just hear him calling you. Feel him putting his hand on you and feel the wind of the Spirit sending you and feel the rain from heaven that's confirming in your life that you're a harvester. Come on. Can you receive that this morning? Just lift up your hand to him. Just let him commission you fresh today. Breathe, Holy Spirit, on your people. Heavenly Christ, at Father's right hand, send your spirit afresh on us to be harvesters in every sphere of our lives. Hallelujah. Well, this is not about numbers. It, it includes numbers, but this is about you being glorified and honored to see a massive harvest because you said around your throne, Lord, there will be dressed in white robes, holding palm branches, those from every kindred, tribe, nation, and tongue, even a multitude no man could number, as they shouted before your throne, salvation to God and to the Lamb. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about encountering you. It's all about being a vessel that you can flow through. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Right now, this just make the whole place an altar. I'm not in a hurry. I'll be here at the service, but I'm just going to say before I turn back to Pastor, just right now, receive today anything you need from your loving Father and your heavenly King by the power of the Spirit, what you need to be productive, purposeful, 